Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to see you. Glad you're here. I got to meet some friends on the way in. Haven't seen in a while. And if you're new here, really do mean we say welcome. So, hey, uh, Merry Christmas. We are, as you probably know, one church that has uh, meets in lots of different locations. And we like to be friendly with everybody just to make sure everyone feels included. So people at Edgewood and Aberdeen and Abingdon and Mountain Road and online can all feel. Can we just say hello and Merry Christmas to everybody on the other side of the camera? Say hey. Thanks for being here. But wait a second. So we say Merry Christmas all the time. Merry means happy. Like, is everything always happy at Christmas? No, it's not. I, I got thinking some of the songs we sing, the words don't even match reality. Like this little ditty I found on Instagram. I think it was filmed in Minnesota. Check this out. Watch the screen. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I don't know what she thinks she's doing there. But. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Just trying to find a good parking spot here, it's that's the all. Happiest season of all. <laughs> it's the hap happiest season of all for that reason. I think that really was my hometown there in Minnesota, but uh yeah, so, you know, whatever whatever you might want to say, but it does kind of sum up sometimes actually how some of us feel uh, this time of year. Uh, we, we, you may think it's the hap happiest time of the year. Or um, what's interesting is the American Psychological Association just did a study which reveals what a lot of us probably already suspected. And that is that, guess what, 90% of us say that this Christmas we're, we're feeling more stress and worry than ever. Great. We're worried about so many things. You know, we're, we're worried about um, finances or... We're anxious about a family conflict that maybe we're, we're having or we're missing someone this year or we're concerned about what's going on in the country or around the world. Can I get a big depressing amen out of anybody, <laughs> right? We've got a lot going on and um, we, we, so we, we still sing songs like Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm. All is not calm, you know, sleep in heavenly peace, but we're Lying awake at night because we're stressed and we're worked up and anxious and angsty about so many things. And I love the fact that we can be, just kind of keep it real at Mountain and acknowledge the fact that, you know, all of us have something that churns inside of us. There's some, maybe it's a difficult situation you're dealing with right now, or it is, maybe it is your family. Maybe like my, a friend of ours, they've just gotten some dementia that they're dealing with in their family now that is like, it's just a lot to deal with. So maybe for you it's a work situation or, or some disease that's come into your family or your kids are, you know, out of control or your marriage is sliding away or, or, or a divorce or I, I don't know. For maybe, like, maybe for you it's like with our family, we have an empty chair this Christmas that we didn't have last year. We've all been dinged up, you know, by life somehow or other. And what we want to talk about today is is some really good news that there, there is, I want to tell you about the one thing that changes everything, okay? There's one thing that really changes everything. We want to make sure everybody knows what it is and how to get it. So you can leave here kind of with a different perspective on it. To, a, a fun way to kind of make this point, I, th I think you'll like it. I think it's hilarious, but there's a lot of things I think are hilarious that nobody else does. So. But I just want to show you how adding one line can make such a difference here. Take a look at this. What do you got? You see this? What do you got? What is it? It's a horse, of course. Yeah, okay, so I can, I, can change, I can change an animal into people with one line. Ready? Watch this. This is a horse. Add a line. 
Now it's two people dressed as a horse. See that? All right? All right? Some of you are not very impressed with that. Let me show you. Try, try again here. All right, what do you got? You got a snail, right? Just a snail, right? Add a line. You got a lollipop with a disgusting worm coming out the end of it, right? Add another line. A suicidal snail. I mean, just one line. It changes everything. You're looking at the same thing, but it changes it. How about this one? You're looking at this as just a, just a guy throwing a ball, right? Add a line. Now it's a suspenseful. He's reaching for a doorknob. What's on the other side? We don't know. Changes everything. Or if I add another line, you're like, well, what's that? Well, now, check this out. Whoops, come back. It's a man drowning at sunset. Just like that. I mean, one line really does change it, doesn't it? It's interesting. It's the same thing you're looking at, but you look at it differently. You know what? There are people who know how to do this in life, who have been given a gift. They've been given the one thing that changes everything so that they're looking at the same mess that someone else is looking at. They're looking at the same traumatic stuff in a family that someone else in the family is, but they're not overwhelmed or anxious or completely losing it. Why? Because they have the one thing that changes everything. You look at the same thing, but in a different way. And how you deal and feel with pain is affected. You know, you said, you know what we're talking about today? We're talking about peace. Peace. That's the one thing. That's what we all need. We're talking about like a deep, abiding sense in your gut, in your mind, in your heart and head that even if something is sliding kind of out of control in your world, you're, you're like, I'm, I'm good. Like it is well with my soul. That's what peace does for you. And we need that. You can leave here with greater measure of it. Because peace is actually a huge part of Christmas. I don't think it gets enough press. We're going to give it some press today. It's a big part of Christmas. It's a lot of why Jesus came. In fact, 700 years before Jesus ever showed up on the planet... God sent a prophet by the name of Isaiah, and Isaiah announced with eerie precision so many things about this Messiah that God was going to send. He said he would, he would be born of a virgin, call, you'll call his name Emmanuel. And then in chapter 9 of Isaiah, verse 6, it says, For to unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And then these words, and he will be called, let's say it together, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. There it is. Peace. And this is why we're spending time here. Our hope was that every one of us would move past knowing about Jesus and truly like know Jesus. Because knowing about Jesus, knowing who He is or whatever, that has never changed a person's life. It's never given anyone peace in the middle of of adversity. But when you know Jesus and welcome him like yes into your life more, that's where peace comes so that he can be your prince of peace. To truly possess that kind of thing that nothing can ever shake loose. So prince of peace. When we talk about prince, we, we're talking about an authoritative leader, meaning he's from God. He has the ability to bring this. And then peace is that Hebrew word shalom. Try it. Shalom. And, and, it, and, it, and it means like not just absence of war or tranquility, it means like this deep sense that all is right with the world. 
and you can sense it, like you're connected to God and other people, and everything around you is in a kind of harmonious, like it's not out of joint and broken anymore, it's a beautiful thing. That's the shalom that we all long for. And Mary gives birth in Bethlehem, and boom, the Prince of Peace is on the planet. And so do you remember how it was introduced? God sent the angels to the shepherds and what, what it, it said, hey, don't be afraid. I got good news of great joy for all the people. Today and over in David's town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born and he is Christ the Lord. You'll find him if you go look for him. He's going to be the one in diapers and a feed trough. Okay, word to that effect. And then the sky lights up and a huge army of angels shows up and they're pumping their fist and saying, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Do you remember what the angels said at that point? Luke 2.14, I'll remind you. They said, glory to God in the highest, and what? And on earth, peace. Peace on earth. The Prince of Peace was told 700 years ahead. He shows up and the angels say, peace. That's, that's pretty powerful. Isn't it ironic? Christmas comes and we all get stressed more than ever. And when Christ comes, he brings peace. Huh. There's something in that. And I believe that many of us today need this peace because of what we're churned up about, what, what life is doing around us and inside of us. And um, the good news is Jesus wants to give you peace. You can't just go manufacture to get it yourself. John 14 is the words of Jesus. Maybe you can just hear Jesus say this to you. I don't know who it is who needs this today, but somebody needs to hear Jesus say, my peace I give to you. Take it. Have it. Open yourself to me, Jesus says, and you're going to have my peace. It's not like the kind that the world gives. So I want to just share with you a couple different things about this peace. Like three different ways that it can really change everything. And, and one is you can have peace with God. Because we can't get peace with God without Jesus. And, and the second thing Jesus brings us is peace in our pain. That's a big deal. And the third is that Jesus actually promises a kind of peace for the whole planet. We'll get to that. But first I just want to talk for a minute about this first one because this idea of you having peace with God actually comes first because it's the most important. And in some ways if you don't get that peace with God, you don't get the other two. So it's really, really important. And it's actually the whole purpose for Jesus coming. Jesus didn't just come to get born he came to die on a cross so that you and I could get right with God. That's why he came. Maybe you heard about the, the guy on the news. Um, this is recently. He's on his deathbed. He's got a terminal disease. And he calls his family in. And all of a sudden he starts like confessing all these things. And he's apologizing. And he says, I don't want you to figure this out later or hear it on the news. And he, he dishes on this story that when he was 19 years old, he robbed a bank walked out with a quarter million dollars of cash, got away with it, changed his name, changed his identity. He's lived his whole life with this secret. Nobody ever knew he got away with it. But his telltale heart is like after him, and he's like, I got to get right with God and you guys before I go. What, what's he after? Peace with God. Because he's anticipating a moment when he's going to stand before his maker, and that's the moment all of us are going to have one day where we're standing or kneeling before the one with whom we have to do. And some of us don't think about that moment very often, but we probably maybe should. And some of us kind of just have an attitude like, ah, I think I got this, you know, I, 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 we'll see how it goes. 
or I'm a pretty good person, I've done good stuff. And, you know, but if you, if you try to stand on your own and everything's on display, it, it, we won't be able to stand. The Bible says, like in Isaiah 59, it, it reminds us that your sins in that moment will cut you off from God. The Bible actually describes this like because of every one of us have done things that have been unfaithful to God and His goodness and purity and light that makes us enemies of God. And, and we're helpless. We need help. We can't fix this. And so Romans 5 describes, let me read like four screens of Scripture and just follow this here. This is beautiful stuff. We're stuck, we've got this problem, but God, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ, not just to be born, but to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we now have therefore been made right in God's sight, you accept Christ as Lord, you can be made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, and he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Over in verse 10, he adds, For since our friendship with God was restored, you can be friends with God again by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can chillax, (laughs) or no, rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Man, you can be a friend of God. Of God. You can have your account cleared, your ledger, you know, wiped clean, be washed white as snow, be, be a child of God, a friend of God, in the family of God forever. So when you meet your maker, you don't have to worry about everything getting dredged up and standing on your own. Instead, you can stand with your Prince of Peace who will erase whatever it was there and you'll stand justified and pure before the God who made you. That's called blessed assurance and you can have that. That's called peace with God. Everyone's meant to have it. That's why Jesus came. Do you have it? You know, there are two um, horrible shootings that were in the news recently. Um, seems like it happens all the time now, right? There was that, that Michigan shooting where four students were killed in school. And one of them was Hannah St. Juliana. And at this court hearing recently where the shooter was on trial, they had these impact statements where people who were affected by this got to say how it, what it meant to them. And her father just kind of goes off. And at the end of his impact statement, he stares right at the shooter and he says, there can be no forgiveness. There is nothing you can ever do to erase this and your actions in this matter are the final word. In a different court case in Ohio, Another young man carelessly shot and killed a young mother outside a convenience store. And same thing, in his court hearing, impact statement is made and he hears all that and he's being escorted out. And before he leaves, he pauses and he looks back at the mother of the victim. And he says, I am so sorry. She looks at him and she says, son, I forgive you. And I thought, you know, these two kind of very different outcomes kind of are like the choices we have to make. Like you can have your actions be the last word and stand on your own and hope for the best. Or you can can say, man, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need your grace and your forgiveness to erase the past so that your actions on the cross will be the last word, not mine. And you will hear the Prince of Peace say, my child, I forgive you. That's the promise. That's the good news of why Jesus came. 
Do you have that kind of peace with God? If you open your heart to Jesus, you do. And I hope that you do. I hope that you do. And when you do, there are these other two kinds of peace that we get that flood into our lives that totally change everything. So let's talk about that. Not only can you have peace with God, you can have, because of that, peace in your pain. Like peace in our pain. Because let's face it, just because you have God in your life or you know, you know, know God or whatever, it doesn't mean that you won't have some problems and real trouble in your life. Because we do. It just means you'll never face them alone. The name Emmanuel, what does it mean? God is what? With us. There's a presence that's real. Remember Psalm 23? God, you're like a shepherd who's walking with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of some really dark, nasty stuff, and you will, well, how's it end? I'm not afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Even Jesus said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And guys, this makes a difference when you go through something, no matter what you face, no matter what happens, you're never alone. His presence gives you a kind of power inside by His Spirit that changes your attitude and gives you peace in the middle of a storm. So Jesus said it this way. In John 16, He says, in this world you will have trouble, like fair warning, life's going to kick you in the teeth. For a while till I fix it, basically. And then he also says, not only in this world you'll have trouble, but then he says in John 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> wait, wait, what? You put the two together, what does it mean? It means you'll have trouble, but you don't have to be troubled by the trouble. Because you have peace. And when you do have peace, it means that the circumstances around you don't steal the peace inside of you. That's a powerful gift to have. That's why some people react to the same thing so differently because they have it. This is why they, a guy named by the name of Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he can be sitting in a prison, rotting away, facing his own execution, when he says these words in Philippians 4. He says, You don't have to be anxious. Don't be anxious, in fact, about anything, but in every situation, he says. Now, so you, you and I can maybe think about our toughest situation you're dealing with right now. And what does he say? He says, in that situation, what do you do? Talk to God about it. Turn it over to the Lord. Let him, invite him into this pain. Invite him into this problem. Even be thankful that you know as you present your request to God, what's going to happen? He says, well, the peace of God which transcends understanding, like it's, it's not, you're not going to understand how exactly this works, but you're going to have peace in this situation for your mind and your heart. Isn't that beautiful? It's beyond understanding. It won't math out perfectly. It's not like logical. People will look at you and go, man, you should be really freaking out. And you might wonder, why am I not freaking out? But the answer will be because I know God is with me and, he, and we're going to be okay. Isaiah 41 says it this way. It's like God's taking your hand and walking with you through this stuff. So you don't have to be afraid. Fear is, a, fear is a big deal. Whenever we're afraid, we don't have much peace. And when peace comes in, we're less afraid. And over and over and over again, all through the Christmas story, we hear this message, don't be afraid. To Joseph, don't be afraid. To Mary, don't be afraid. To the shepherds, don't be afraid. Jesus said it, don't be afraid. You know what's the most commonly repeated phrase in all of the Bible? Don't be afraid. It's in there 365 times. One for every day of 2024. 
Actually, not so. It's a leap year, so there's one day you'll be afraid. But <laughs> you get my point. It's like it's in there a lot. Like a reminder, like peace is here. You don't have to be afraid. Now, I want to remind you of something. When we, when we take our stuff to God, even our pain, man, it, it actually draws us closer to God. Sometimes we let our pain drive us from God, but it's meant to be like an invitation to invite more of God into it. Does that make, let me explain how this might work. Like a lot of times we kind of hold ourselves together pretty well, you know, but then something happens that's really hard. Maybe someone leaves you or there's a breakup or a divorce or a death or some other trauma or just something hard that's happening. It kind of feels like this. <sighs> And it leaves us like this. And we feel kind of these open, empty places in our heart that hurts. Life doesn't feel full or complete, like right, there's something wrong. And we kind of know it. And immediately what we try to do is like, oh, I got to fix that. I got to fill that. I, and then we try to numb that pain or fill those empty places with something that seems like it might give us peace. Because that's what we're really after. And so... The problem is sometimes we go after stuff that actually makes it worse. And so we try to sex it away or drink it away or Netflix it away or shop it away or amuse ourselves to death or distract ourselves or anything to try to fill the holes. And that's our knee-jerk reaction, but it actually just drives us further away. And what we can do and what, what I'm encouraging us to think about is like life's going to, in this world, you will have trouble. You'll have times where you feel this way, but if we can just turn to the Prince of Peace and invite him in to the places that hurt the most, persevere in our pain, wait on the Lord, and welcome Jesus to walk with you, you'll start finding that he starts filling us up and ministering to us in the very places where we're hurting and you'll start finding that some of those holes start to fill and that Jesus himself is enough. He's the one who kind of makes us whole again. He's the one, not some other thing that we're going to temporarily go pursue. And so the sooner we, stop, we learn to stop medicating and numbing everything and in our pain pursuing the peace of Christ through his presence, the sooner we are whole again. And that's really the hope that we had that everybody here would be able to maybe stop grasping so much this next year at something to try to numb the pain, but to, to let the holes that life leaves us with be filled with the presence of Jesus because that's peace. Do, do you have that kind of peace? I hope that you do. You can. My mom does. She has it, you know, um, she's an amazing person. A lot of you know that this last year my dad, John Kacharis, passed away. Uh, it's a picture of my dad uh, last Christmas, actually, with my daughter. A great man, and we certainly miss him. Uh, and my mom is 95, and she, she's a poet. She writes a lot of poetry and makes cards and sends them all over. And she, she's 95, and she did her own Christmas card again this year, you know, where she craftily got out some fabric and it's got uh, these stockings on the front and then she writes poetry and sends it around. Can I read a couple of lines of this year's poem to you? That'd be okay? Here's what my mom, here's the first couple of lines. Above the hearth the stockings hang 
two new ones filled with toys. For my great-grandsons, born in May, they're Matt and Katie's new twin boys. It's my niece's kids. John's stocking there is bulging too. It's filled with memories sweet. And with hope and with joy, his words and deeds, his legacy complete. There's more, but you get the idea. What, what really got me actually was, you know, that there's the other part where the, all, the newsy the insert with all the stuff from the year. She does that too. Needs a little help with the computer layout, but she got it. And uh, let me just read the first couple lines of this. This has been a year of many challenges and changes. They were married 72 years. I miss John very much since he passed away on May 9, but I never feel alone, for I trust my Heavenly Father who has assured us, I will never leave or forsake you. So I have peace, relying on His presence and His promises. You can have that too. I know some of you probably had a painful year, a difficult year as well. There's some hard stuff. Life hits hard sometimes, and this has been a tough year for a lot of people. Maybe you feel kind of, even as you come to Christmas this year, kind of gutted in some way, numb or whatever. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything to tell you, but it makes me think of the disciples who felt that way. They were gutted and just discouraged and despondent. Jesus, they'd watch them die and get buried and all that. And they go and they hide away in this upper room and they're just like downcast and like they don't know what, they're just gutted, they're just empty. And they don't even know that Jesus is actually alive again. And they're just in that moment. And the next thing they do know is that he's standing right there in front of them. And they lift their face and they look at his and he says, you know what the first thing he says to them? Peace. You guys need more peace. Peace be with you. And he says it again. Peace. And then he, it's kind of strange, but he breathes on them, it says. Like as if to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, I just wondered if there's maybe somebody that might need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit like that from Jesus himself who could just give you a bunch of peace that you need right now. Because maybe we kind of forgot he's even alive. We're just kind of downcast in our spirits. Maybe you would get, allow yourself to get close enough to Jesus that you could almost feel the breath on your face, as it were, to receive that. Peace be with you in your pain. In this world, you'll have trouble, but don't be troubled by the trouble. You can have peace with God, you guys. You can have peace in your pain. That changes everything. Right? I mean, let me tell you, the one more kind of peace that actually is something I don't think we think about enough. And when I think the way the world's going, we got to think about it more. And that is, that. do you realize that Jesus promises peace for the whole planet? Do you realize this? Like, 
The Prince of Peace, when he comes, is not just peace for you and me on a personal little small level, but it's way bigger. Like peace on earth means for the whole earth, that the earth could be restored and returned to the way God made it in the first place in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Like that's the plan. It's a restoration project he's doing. It's a global movement. And the Bible says when Jesus is done restoring everything back to himself, well, there's no more suffering There's no more sin, there's no more sickness, there's no more sorrow, no more separation or breakups or cheating or insecurity or racism or crime or cancer or chemo or kids going to bed hungry at night. No more divorce, no more disease. The kingdom comes, it's on earth as it is in heaven. And God will have reconciled everything back to himself. He's putting everything to rights. That's the project he started when he came and he will finish it because God's plans always get finished. I think we long for that. Don't you feel that in your gut? Like, yes. It's the story we would write if if we had courage to dream about the best happy ending we ever could. It's the thing that's too good to be true. It's why a lot of people have given up on it. But if the Prince of Peace is the mighty God and the everlasting Father, this happens. And we need to long for it when we're watching the news. And another story about Ukraine comes on. When in your home you hear more shouting and in your own spirit you feel more churn. We need peace for the whole planet. I was listening to the news the other day, making a sandwich in my kitchen. And this reporter came on and she was let behind the scenes in a place where not a lot of um, reporters are allowed. And uh, she had this audio recorder that she was running the whole time. She was on the Gaza Strip. And you could hear like everything going on. You could, hear the, you could hear a bomb drop. And she says, oh my, that one sounded close. And then moments later, you can hear the ruckus as they're bringing people in. And she's just reporting what she's seeing and you can kind of hear it. And then because of that, you can see it. She says, oh no, here, here's a young man, appears to be 16, he's lost a leg. Oh, oh my, here, here's a little two-year-old who doesn't realize his whole family's been killed in the blast. He's missing a foot. And then she just let the recording go and you could hear the little boy moaning. And you could see him. At that moment, something kind of snapped in me. I kind of lost it, to be honest. And I'm in my kitchen. I yell out, stop it! You ever have a moment like that where the news isn't news, but it's actually the real world that we live in? And your heart just aches for it. You know it's not the way it's supposed to be. And someone might ask, well, was it an Arab and Palestinian kid or was it an Israeli? It's like, it doesn't matter, you see. Because it's moments like that that give us clarity where we long in our hearts for what Isaiah is talking about when he says, one day when Jesus is done, the lion will lie down with the lamb. And we can take our swords and just like use them for farm implements because you won't need them for war anymore. That day is coming, but not yet. Not yet. In this world, you'll have trouble. And in the meantime, 
We need governments to do the best they can to bring justice, and we need education to help, and we need health care to, to serve, and we need to feed the hungry, and the church needs to do everything we can to minister to people who are hurting. We need all that. We do. But you know what we need most of all? We need a Savior to fix this mess because we can't do it. When humans are in charge, this is what we get. It looks like this. So Unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus comes to save his people from ourselves. And he's not just bringing you a little piece to get you through Tuesday. He's putting the whole planet back together. He's large and he's in charge. And he's not just helping us in our suffering. One day Jesus delivers us from all suffering. And when, when, when heaven is on earth as it is in heaven, you know what? We realize Jesus isn't just some little meek and mild baby, not some little hippie from California saying peace. He has dealt authoritatively with our worst enemy ever, sin and death itself. And by his work on the cross, he's already won. And we know where this is going. And knowing who holds the future helps tremendously get through today with a little more peace. Let me tell you something. I'm going to probably upset a couple of you right now, but you know that wrestling on TV? Like WWE, Raw, I hope you know it's fake. <laughs> I know, some of you want to fight me. I'm just telling you, it's already decided who's going to win ahead of time. Like it looks real and they do get some banged up stuff going on there, but you know what? It's all acting because the victor is determined before the bout ever starts. They know who's going to win. Now, just because they know the outcome doesn't mean they don't have to step in the ring. And when they do, they get banged up. I mean, they get a real folding chair over the back. Some of the blood is not ketchup. It's real blood. You know, they get banged up a lot, but the outcome's already determined. They're just playing out a scenario, and we all know where it's going. That's why, have you ever watched and noticed, like, some guy's getting the snot kicked out of him. He's, like, beat up, and he's, like, got no pulse. He's lying there, you know, and it's like, he's just about out, one, two, and he's like, I'm back. And then he, like, grabs the guy and throws him down, and he comes out on top. How does that happen? Well, it happens because it's in the script. It happens because the outcome was already determined. And he still, he had to get banged up along the way. And there was a, fa a battle and a fight, but we know who's going to win here. Is this, is, you see where I'm going with this? You guys, does, does this remind anybody of Jesus? I mean, Jesus comes to earth, then he gets all beat up, and boom, 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 they put him in a grave, and he's like, you're done. One, two, three. And on the third day, he's like, I'm back. It's like, I'm not done yet. You didn't read the script. That's not how the story ends. And he comes out on top because it was already determined from the foundations of the world that he would be our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and our prince of peace. And his plans will never be defeated. And because of that child, you receive that kind of Jesus and his peace into your life. Your story gets caught up in the kingdom of God. And that means the good guy wins and you're part of that story. And you will still go through some battles and take some nicks and wounds along the way. But through it all, you can have peace and you can know that no matter how many wars, no matter how hard it is on any given day for any of us, your hope is carried along by the one who says, I'm at work making all things new. Do you have that peace? Don't give up on it. Don't give up on the Prince of Peace. Which peace do you need the most? Peace with God, 
today? Or peace in the pain? Or just a reminder that God's going to bring peace for the whole planet? Hey, hey, hey. On behalf of Jesus, peace. Take it. God, thank you for, for sending your son to give us peace and light and hope. And in his name, we open our spirits and we welcome him now. We pray all this in the name of the Prince of Peace. And all God's people said, amen. amen.